Welcome to Coaching for a Living, a podcast for coaches who want to build financially viable coaching businesses and make a living doing what they love. I'm your host, Alisa Barkin, and I am thrilled to have you here. Are you ready to take the next step in your coaching business? Let's go. Hello, hello, onion rings. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Coaching for a Living. Today, I am joined by the lovely Shira Miller, who is going to talk to us about getting unstuck. Shira is the author of Free and Clear, Get Unstuck and Live the Life You Want, which features a step-by-step process for getting unstuck and staying that way for good. A two-time TEDx speaker, certified professional coach, and chief communications officer of a $2 billion corporation, she knows a lot about getting unstuck and teaching people how to do the same for themselves. Shira has transitioned from financial ruin to prosperity, chronic health challenges to a constant state of wellness, obesity to sustaining a healthy weight loss, divorce to lasting love, and an unfulfilling career to a purpose-driven life. Shira, welcome to the show. I am so excited to be here. Thank you. I am so excited to have you here and to talk about your book and everything that you share in there that is very, very useful for coaches and me as a coach having read it. I think I can speak for other coaches as well. Speaking of coaches, no matter what our niche is, as a coach, we always have clients that come to us with the same problem. They feel blocked in a situation and they can't find the words to explain it other than I'm stuck and I don't know how to move forward. In your book, you start by naming the stuck. I love that concept. Tell us more about that. Absolutely. So when you're stuck in a general sense, you know something's wrong. You're out of sorts. You're not quite living the life that you want, but it can be very overwhelming because you haven't given it shape and form. And I'm also a certified executive coach. And I know that when we talk to our clients about different issues we face, when you name it and you make it very specific, it becomes something that you can start tackling and take action steps towards resolving. Yeah. So um, after you name it, and I know there's different types of stuck in your book and you talk about that. After you name the stuck, what's the next step? What do you do next? No matter what kind of stuck you face, and I've got seven different kinds of stuck that I've seen as patterns, the first step is to take a pause. And what I mean by that is our lives are so crazy these days. We're going 24-7. There's constant pressure to work. Even if you're working at home full-time now, you feel like you've got to be on. You've got to be on social. You've got to be talking to other people. And when you've got all of that mental clutter it's very hard to think clearly about what is holding you back and the obstacles that you want to overcome. So by taking a pause, I mean it's an intentional break from the circumstances of your everyday life. And it doesn't have to be a two-week vacation to Fiji, though doesn't that sound amazing? I wish we all could do that. (laughs) A pause can be effective in a few days or even a few hours. It's just taking yourself out of your normal circumstances, taking an extended walk. Uh, Instead of going into an office, going to a totally different place. If you're really crammed for space, go to a different part of your home. You know, borrow a friend's apartment. There's different places to get a quiet perspective. And during that pause, and this is so important, make sure that you put all of your smart devices away. 
it's really distracting when you start hearing notifications, um, different buzzing noises, getting badges, all of those things. You need to stay in a place of quiet reflection. Okay, so now that you've touched upon that, we don't have any devices around us. We go to this different place and we reflect. What, what are we reflecting on? Reflecting on how did you get there? What, what exactly are you facing? So I have a quiz on my website, shiramiller.com, and you can take it and identify what kind of stuck are you facing? For example, you might be something I'm calling you're a Debbie Downer. And that's a mm -hmm. person who, when given the choice, will choose pessimism over optimism. And mm -hmm. when, once you've diagnosed the kind of stuck you're facing, the naming process, then you can start deliberating about it. And in my book, I have some questions that help you know what to focus on during the pause. But it's, it's unraveling the circumstances of how did I get here? What am I dealing with? And also naming your desired state. Would you like your desired state, the place in which you spend most of your time to be the absence of incredible stress or to be choosing more optimism and joy. So that's mm. what you do during a pause. It's figuring out how you got there and what you'd like your life to be like. There's a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves when it comes to figuring out, okay, so I'm in this place, I am stuck. I'd like to be in this other place. But some people can't really articulate that. And you have a, an entire dedicated chapter in your book about purpose and the pressures that we put on ourselves to find our purpose. Tell us more about purpose. How can we work around finding that purpose for ourselves? And how can we not beat ourselves up if we don't know yet what our purpose is? And therefore, we don't know what we've been put here to do and what the next step should be. So as you just started explaining, our purpose is our reason for being. We all have a purpose, but a lot of people don't know what their purpose is. In fact, I've read all of these studies about a new trend called purpose anxiety, where people feel the pressure of what is my reason for being, and I'm freaking out because I don't know it. It's really common not to know it, especially when, you know, you might be confusing a purpose just with a career aspiration, because it's something mm -hmm. that's bigger than that. Um, if it's your reason for being, it might be to educate others about different opportunities. It might be in thinking about your purpose, you're helping coaches thrive in the world. You know, when you're looking at it through that career lens, um, my purpose is to help people get unstuck and have more fulfilling lives. So in order to find your purpose, you need to lean on your values. I've got a couple of free tools on my website where you can circle what kind of values are important to you. And many coaches do this when we are working with our clients. It's important to do it for ourselves as well, to know hmm. what are our values, to look, lean on another tool, the wheel of life, to go through it and to circle, what am I kind of missing in here? And then when you start to figure out thinking about past experiences, what peak experiences really filled you with joy and happiness, and you felt like everything was going right, that's how you can start to figure out what your purpose is. And keep in mind, your purpose can change as you grow and change. When I was mm -hmm. in my 20s and even in my early 30s, it was all wrapped up in my career, you know, my corporate career, being at a certain level in a big company, that started evolving to 
At the time I did public relations, it was trying to represent companies that were putting out stories of companies that were doing better in the world. And then as I got older, the purpose came bigger and it was helping others through helping them get unstuck. And you'll see your purpose will change over time. That's very liberating to know that I might have a purpose for now, but it's, it doesn't have to be like my ultimate purpose that will stay like this forever. When I did a pivot in my business, I had this problem because I thought, well, wasn't my purpose this, what I did before um, I did a pivot? And if I'm changing it now, I haven't really fulfilled that purpose in the sense that I haven't touched as many people as I could have touched if I was not to to pivot in my business. So I think knowing that purposes can change because we change and because our priorities change uh, can be very liberating. So we can start to actually enjoy and maybe play a little bit with how we want to approach this and not think so in absolute terms, it has to be the one purpose. And if it's not, then you know, my, my life is purposeless or something like that. Let's go back to getting unstuck, which essentially means moving from where you are now to a desired state, whatever that might be influenced by our purpose or by our goals or what we want to do in the next few years. But even if we know, let's say the steps that we need to take to get to that state, sometimes we lack confidence or even the actions that we take are actually sabotaging our own efforts to get there. So how can we deal or how can we help our clients deal with these mindset issues? A couple of things are coming to mind. Uh, and I'll give you some real specific tools that people can use as well for this. Something that we all grapple with is the inner saboteur. That little voice in your mind that talks trash about yourself to you and questions, what are you doing? It tends to get louder when you are making changes in your life. And the inner saboteur might have started from a, a good intention. It might have been something that protected you when you were at a younger or a different phase in your life, but you've outgrown it. And you can't just ignore the inner saboteur. Something that can help when you start hearing that questioning voice that can cause you to make behaviors that aren't in your best interest is to acknowledge it and say, I hear you, but I'm a different person now. And here are the choices I'm making. Thank you for being there in the past, but I don't need your help any longer. So I've actually counseled people to, you can write that out. You can verbally say that to your inner saboteur. I know when I went through coach training, we named our inner saboteur. And uh, that proved to be very helpful. It took a lot of the uh, mystique away from it. And so you can name it um, and talk to it and help diminish its power in that way. Uh, another tool that can help you, and I can tell you right now, when I look at the seven things that get people stuck, my personal albatross is that you don't trust yourself. You've got doubt, you mm -hmm. know, you might focus too much on mistakes from the past or think, wow, I want to reach for more. Am I capable of this? Do I deserve this? Just questioning behaviors. So... This is something I've had to work really intently on. And a tool that I've created that I've seen yield some great results for people is to create something I call a reverse bucket list. 
And a bucket list, as you know, is a list of things you want to do before you kick the bucket, before you die one day. That's great. But if you make a reverse bucket list of things you've already done, did you put yourself through college? Did you raise a happy family? Did you start a business? Did you learn how to swim when you were 45 years old and it used to scare the heck out of you? Those all become a list of evidence of your capabilities and it helps build your confidence. So I recommend create a reverse bucket list. And you know, if I can do that, I can certainly do these things before me and achieve these goals. I love the reverse bucket list idea. It's been expressed in many ways, like write down your accomplishments and so on. But it's nice to have two bucket lists and maybe balance it out, all the things that you want to do, but also compare to all the things that you have done. And therefore, looking at that as being proof that you can do those future things because you were able to do these past things. So that's really helpful. And uh, I love the terminology as well, the reverse bucket list. So talking about where you want to get that desired state, everyone will build their own plan for getting there, depending on where they want to go, how much time they're allowing themselves to get there, what their personal circumstances are and so on. So everyone will have a different plan. But in the book, you suggest a couple of things that I believe everyone should aim for regardless of their plan. And one is resilience and the other one is building a support system. Why are those two things so important? Great question. And I'd I'd love to talk about each. So resilience is defined as the ability to bounce back when you're facing adversity. And so many studies have come out. um, You've looked at Um, children who grew up in really disadvantaged circumstances and how yet some of them really thrive in life. What has happened, you know, and in in many of those studies, they found there might've been another role model. Uh, You look at people who have been through horrible tragedies. Uh, An example Mm. that's coming to my mind, a person who I reference in my book, who I actually interviewed is a Congresswoman in the United States. Her name is Lucy McBath. And she Mm -hmm. was a flight attendant. Her son, who was 17 at the time, was killed in an act of violence by some deranged person because he was playing his, quote, music too loud in his car. And um, the congresswoman was devastated. You know, she felt like her life was over. What helped her bounce back was learning to be of service to others. That's when she decided to run for Congress and to try to make change and to talk to people about how we need to have limits on the kind of people who are accessing guns or who are doing things like this. And so she found healing and was able to bounce back by looking to a greater different purpose. So I'm thinking Mm -hmm. about that. So resilience is important no matter what you face because it teaches you that you can bounce back. Um, And it could be everyday circumstances. You could lose a job. You could Mm. go through a divorce. And those things at the time might leave you feeling flat on your back. That can be devastating. But when you learn to bounce back and um, find what the silver lining might be. You know, I'm someone who's divorced. I ended up meeting the love of my life, my husband, Justin, when I was 42 years old. That was 13 years ago. And I'm so grateful now that I went through that and learned how to, you know, 
have a great relationship with myself, and then how to date healthy again and build the confidence so that when I met the right guy, I could recognize it and realize, okay, this is great. So resilience, no matter what you face, is that ability to bounce back. The mm. other thing you asked about, building a support system. That's important for so many different reasons. And we look at the pandemic and what we've all just been through for a couple of years. There was so many heightened feelings of isolation in the world where people were physically kept apart from others that they wanted to spend time with. If you were lucky, you maybe had someone else or a couple of people in your household that you care about who you were with, but countless people were by themselves. And that was mm. a really lonely time. So in having a healthy support system, it could be a group that you create or that you join. It might be people that share your love of vegan cooking, that um, have a passion for the kind of exercise you like or knitting or whatever other pastimes. In the coaching community, it might be a cohort that you got certified with and you became really close friends with all of these people. And today you kind of support each other, you know, how, what your journey is as coaches and each other being there for support. Something that's really important in building a healthy support system, though, is making sure that not only you're there to help others, but that you accept the help as well. It's just mm. as important for you to accept that in order for you to grow and to be your best self and to have a life that's more meaningful and fulfilling. Yeah, absolutely. So there's two things I want to contribute. One about resilience and one about building a support system. Um, so when it comes to resilience, you, you gave some examples about bouncing back from whatever happens to you. But of course, we're not going to go and search for the tragic, the drama things to happen to us so that we can bounce back. So how can we cultivate resilience on a daily basis um, on a lower scale, right? Because on a daily basis, we don't where most of us don't um, suffer tragedies. But there are certain things, little things that might get us down or whatever. How can we cultivate um, a mindset of resilience so that if we do get into a situation where something serious happens, we are well prepared to recover from it quicker? A few steps come to mind. The first is to practice forgiveness. And that is on two levels, forgiving others who might've done you wrong in some way, but you don't owe them that forgiveness. The forgiveness is actually for yourself. And even more mm. important in that paradigm is actually forgiving yourself. Especially if you're an overachiever or a perfectionist, you can beat yourself up for months, years. I've seen people beat themselves up for decades over regret about a decision or something mm. going wrong. And what you need in resilience, you need to practice kindness. Mm. Approach yourself with self-compassion, forgive yourself if there's a misstep that you made, and also focus on optimism. What can you learn from the situation? What's possible that might be next for you from this? So, and it's also, and that's optimism is focused on the future state. So the forgiveness, is letting go of things from the past, taking you to the present, having a mindset of optimism lets you see that positive things can be possible again and help you gravitate towards them. Yeah. And I find that the more you create a routine where you do these things constantly, like for example, a, a journaling 
routine every day or some sort of meditation where you think about these things intentionally, the more natural it comes to you to practice those things when you're in the moment and when you would normally react to something impulsively and beat yourself up or blame other people or do all these things that are the opposite of being resilient. The more you practice, the easier it becomes and it just becomes second nature at some point. There's a pause between the situation and your reaction to the situation. And that pause is you being intentional about how you want to react to that thing. And the second thing I wanted to mention about building a support system for coaches who are listening to this and thinking about starting their own business or they have done already, being a business owner can be quite a lonely thing. You all of a sudden have no colleagues anymore. And uh, we're human beings. We are social beings. The social aspect or the lack of it can make you feel very lonely and very isolated. So in the beginning, you might not have a business network around you necessarily, but as long as you have people who are understanding or at least try to be understanding and supportive of what you do, that's really important as well. On the flip side, you might need to let go of the people who are not supportive and who are allegedly in your support network, but actually they're doing more harm than good. And you have to be courageous enough to let those people go. What are your thoughts on that, Shira? I have strong thoughts on that. <laughs> um, and it's, it, it's a process of loving yourself as letting go of people in situations that no longer work for you. Uh, and have you ever heard the term frenemy? That is yeah. a frenemy is somebody who, you know, maybe you've been friends with, but they're really not doing anything to your benefit. They might be subtly putting you down. They might be um, scared that you're outgrowing them. They might be jealous of your accomplishments. So as you grow and change, who you're going to spend the most time with is likely to do that as well. And you really have to watch out for something I call energy vampires. And those are mm. people who they might not even know they're that way, but they suck the life out of you because maybe they're a Debbie Downer. Maybe they're just focused on themselves um, and they're tone deaf. They don't have emotional intelligence and realize when you need support. And it's very healthy to weed that out. And I've, I've had to do that. I went through a very big uh, culling process in my 40s with that. And I probably would have been a lot healthier if I'd done it about 10 years earlier in figuring out, you know, who, who is really there for me that I can have great mutually beneficial supportive relationships with versus the people who are just bringing me down. And that's really important because you can do all these amazing things in your business, but if your mind is not in the right place and if the people around you are not helping either, then it's not going to be a, a success anyway, or it might be a success on paper, but if you're not feeling happy and fulfilled and joyful and loving all the reasons why we start a business, then what's the point of having it in the first place? Um, so yeah, I think that purging is really important. So we named the stack. We take a pause. We, we think about how did I get here? Where would I want to go? What's my purpose? You make a plan of uh, how am I going to get there? You work on the mindset issues. And I've only mentioned resilience and building a support network here, but you, I think you've mentioned five in the book. Am I right? Or 
There are a number of steps that you go through. You actually have to give yourself permission to do this. One of the tools Mm. I have is a permission slip that you fill out to give yourself permission to make changes in life and learning how to choose positivity. So an important component resilience, as we discussed, is optimism. But then there are things that you can do to practice gratitude that get you into a really good place. And once you've achieved that state, so let's say many of us are stuck in multiple areas and you might take Mm. my quiz and find out, okay, I'm most stuck right now in my purpose. I don't know what my purpose is. I've got a few other things in there and I'm going to focus on that first. Once you get through that process, you might go through it again to tackle another area. Maybe you're somebody who hasn't been flexible and that's really been holding you back. That's another thing that gets you stuck. Um, We're all human. And even when we get mostly unstuck, things are going to happen. We're going to have a bad day. There's going to be setbacks and it's normal to have some slippage there. Okay. So Mm. being um, open-minded about that and realistic It's important to take internal assessments and that could be something, you know, as you're building this new habit, you do each month and kind of do a check-in on yourself. I've got a whole process of how to take an internal assessment. You might become somebody who does it on an annual level. There's a woman that I interviewed, I believe you're equated with her as well, who's in the book. Her name is Allie Davies, and she is a coach who consciously created a completely different life for herself. And Allie makes sure that she stays on track or shifts things up as needed by taking an annual internal assessment um, of how Mm. are things going? What do I actually want to be focusing on at this time? How can I do things better and be more of service to myself? So that's important. And then gratitude, as I started mentioning it, gratitude and practicing and prioritizing self-care and wellness, those are going to help you stay on track. Those are really important behaviors. That was actually going to be my next question. Once we get unstuck, how do we make sure that we stay like that forever or for as long as possible without getting stuck again? And you've already answered that with gratitude and doing an internal assessment. I think it's important to not wait until you feel like you're getting stuck again before you do all of these things. It's a continuous practice. I mentioned in one of my articles about mindset, but this is a similar thing. You never get to arrive. You're never exonerated. This is a lifetime's work. And if you stop, you essentially get behind. But it's not really work. It's working on yourself. It's self-development. It's self-growth. And the moment you realize it's actually for your own benefit, it doesn't feel like work anymore. It's just something that you do because you love yourself and you want to be as as best you can mentally, physically, in your work, in your circle of friends and so on. So you've mentioned some of these resources and quizzes. Let's tell people where exactly they can go to find out more and to download some of these. Absolutely. You can go to shiramiller.com. It's S-H-I-R-A miller.com. And if you go to the page called books, you'll see a tool that says resources. And I've got a will of life chart. I've got a values grid. I've got a couple of other items that you can work on. Um, my book is available. It's You can see it on the website or go to amazon.com. It's an audiobook version or an ebook or a paperback, depending on how you like to consume content. And 
Um, I often write different articles. I've got over a hundred articles on well-being, self-care, how to get unstuck that are completely complimentary. Those are on the website. So I invite you to check it out and hopefully something will prove helpful for you. And I will make sure to link to the website in the show notes. But before we wrap this up, I want to ask you, you've launched the book now. So that's a huge milestone. I know this because I'm writing a book myself right now. What's next for you and your business? Oh, gosh. Well, I'm actually focusing on doing a lot of speaking. I would like to be doing more keynotes. I have opportunities coming my way now that I've done the book. I'm doing a lot of media interviews at this time. I am lucky enough to be on podcasts like yours. Thank you so much for having me. So I think you're going to see even more content that's out there to be of service for people. And eventually there'll be more educational experiences and webinars. That sounds fantastic. And I urge people to go and check it out and to read the book. I read it and I found it was a companion that you go back to time and time again, when you feel like "Hmm, maybe, maybe I'm getting a little bit stuck in here. And I love all the resources and the letters and the templates that you have, like the permission slip and all the rest of the stuff. Thank you so much for joining us today, for sharing all of your experience and expertise with us. Thank you for writing the book and getting it into the world. And uh, it was a pleasure having you, Shira. Thank you so much. You just finished listening to an episode of the Coaching for a Living podcast. Did you know that you can send me an audio message directly? Check out the show notes for a link that allows you to do that. You can use it to send in a question you have about building a coaching business or to simply share your impressions about the podcast and any suggestions for what content you'd like me to cover in the future. I cannot wait to hear from you. Again, check out the show notes for the link and who knows? Maybe I'll feature your message in a future episode. All right, that's it for today. I'm Alisa Barkan, and I'll catch you next time.